There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, here we are on the third of uh, and last of three podcasts. And again, I'm very grateful for uh, Tim McVeigh and his, uh and what he does, and, and this podcast has been such a blessing to me and different members of my family, and I hope that what we've had to say is a blessing to you. But I want to go into this idea of peace that we dealt with in the last podcast, and I want to talk about how Jesus Christ sees peace, but we're going to go to John chapter 14, and Judas, not Iscariot, asked him a question, and what he said is, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? You ever wonder about that? You, the whole world seems to know about Jesus Christ. And I go into a lot of churches today, and I see what looks like a lot of superficial honoring of Jesus Christ. I go into some homes that looks like a superficial honoring of Jesus Christ. I think as a child, uh, you know, I grew up as a Roman Catholic, and I don't mean that as any aspersion. I, people know that I'm not a Roman Catholic today. I don't agree with the Roman Catholic faith. But, you know, we labored hard to always be in church on Sundays and during Lent, uh, keeping uh, certain things from ourselves and not eating meat on Fridays. And I remember uh, even on special holy days, my mother having little processions in the house and, and and things of that sort. But I learned later that that really wasn't what it meant to have Jesus Christ. And uh, and again, that might be a fine cultural thing that people want to do. We do cultural things in my home. I hope you do in your home. But that isn't what it means to have Jesus Christ. And how is it that Jesus Christ can be manifest unto one group of people and not unto another? Judas, not a scared asset. Well, in verse 23 of John 14, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, maybe a man does, maybe a man doesn't. If a man love me, he will keep my words. W-O-R-D-S. The individual things that Jesus said, he'll keep those. That's how God manifests himself to us and not the world. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. What a wonderful thing to have both the father and Jesus Christ living with you. Can you imagine that? Having him actually living with you. And it says this. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And in other words, what are the things that Jesus Christ said? What are they? Uh, you know, John said in 1 John uh, that his commandments are not grievous. We keep those commandments. Those things that Jesus Christ said, we do that. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. Jesus Christ came to give us the words of the Father. When you read the Gospels and Jesus speaks, it's the words of the Father. When you get to the book of Acts, after he resurrects, it's the words of the Holy Ghost. Fascinating change over there. But 
It says this in verse 25, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Now, you know, one of the things that many readers are doing, or many uh, people who listen to this podcast are doing, I have some sons doing it, my wife's doing it, they're going ahead and memorizing First John, because that's one of the abilities God gives you, is to remember all the things that he said unto you. And I realize there's Muslims who memorize the Koran, and there's people who memorize all 30-some thousand words that Hamlet said in Shakespeare, and, and all that's fascinating, but this is a supernatural reason remembering, where when you memorize the words of Scripture, God brings them back to you at times that the Spirit of God wants to deal with your soul and deal with your heart. And he said that the Comforter will come, and when he comes, he's a Comforter. And I know people who claim to have Jesus Christ who never have comfort. Now, let me tell you something. I've gone through horrible disasters. I heard brother Pastor Don Green, God bless his memory, deceased now, but he talked about things happening in his ministry that would have ripped the heart out of a lion, and those things do happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when they do happen, the difference, when they happen with a family that has Jesus Christ, a man or a woman with Jesus Christ, is there's the comforter, the consoling, bringing back. You know, one of the whole reasons that a gyroscope works in an airplane to work and make it into an automatic pilot is they know that gyroscope will always come back and and, and bob and be up and down. It's always going to come back to that position. And they're so trusting in that that they made the, uh, the very uh, invisible pilots. They made the very... Uh, 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 when they have pilotless airplanes, they made them to work with that principle. And you want to know something? When a Christian is wrought with death, misery, cancer, sickness, betrayal, all those things, he has a comforter who becomes that gyroscope, who stands there and holds and brings him back to that place. It's one of the things that he does. And we're going to understand why. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is what Jesus Christ gave to you. This is the wonder of it all. And you want to know something? I pastor at the Black Creek Baptist Church, and we have had some of the most troubled families in the world come in. I've had people come into my church that were in the midst of adultery, women on the who've been married a few times and babies by different men who today, their homes are, are sanctuaries for Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost and the Word of God because the Holy Ghost brought to them the words of God through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God chose to save the world by preaching is what he chose to say by the foolishness of preaching. And these people received it. When you go into their homes today, children play happily. The children go to bed at night listening to songs of Zion. I've had families come in here where the children were bruised and scarred on the inward parts from the cursing and hatred of the parents and the misery of the parents. And, and yet God was so gracious to those families and those children have grown up in righteousness and holiness because of Jesus Christ. And then I have children who come in here and they come from families where everything ostensibly looks like it's fine on the outside. 
They don't have that gross poverty. They don't have that gross outward sin. And yet somehow or other, the children never live in the peace of God. The peace of God is not in their homes. It's tension in their homes, misery in their homes. Mom and dad don't get along together. They can't hide the fact they don't get along together. Why? Because there's no peace with God. And yet they'll look at those people who come in. You know, when the man who was born blind first saw, do you realize he didn't know the difference between brown and red? And all the people who were born with sight would laugh. <laughs> he says he can see. I can see much better. Than him. I know the difference between brown and red. <laughs> the guy who had been lame from birth and who Peter grabbed his hand and pulled him up and the strength came into his ankles and he could stand. You want to know something? He didn't know a lot about how to walk and paths out there and stumbled at paths that other people knew where the ruts were and stumbled at places because he's never walked there before, never been to those places before. And here's the world laughing at him. Ha, 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 you don't know this. And I have watched people come in here. I think of uh, Dale and Amy Mori, uh, Liberty Behind Bars. And what a They've been on this podcast, and I remember when they first came in here and the misery and the soddedness of the sin they were in and the wretchedness of the sin they were in. And I remember when God in his graciousness brought them into the peace of Jesus Christ. And I also remember just how crude they were in their ability to live and handle finances. I watched them go through a bankruptcy, and I watched them go through every mistake in the world and struggle with cigarettes and these things. And yet, as they slowly learned and as they slowly got those things down, today God entrusts them with thousands and thousands of dollars for the prisoners who are behind walls to bring them liberty. And their lungs are clean, and their air passages are clean. Their children have grown up in holiness and have known the love of God. And yet there's other people who looked at them and said, oh, that's salvation. <laughs> they don't know what I know. That's right. They never walked in the paths you walked. They didn't understand that. They tripped in ruts that you didn't trip in. But today, God has given them the peace of God. And what a gracious thing for God to do. Again, verse 27, it says this, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. You know, there's no greater rejoicing for a Christian than to realize that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. It says that he entered into heaven and he triumphed openly over them in it. You know, I one time watched... With my own eyes, I watched the University of Buffalo play in Temple one time, and I watched a Hail Mary pass work. I'd never seen such a thing before. I'd seen it on TV and such, but I just remember the University of Buffalo was behind, and and they were way back, and there was just one play left and one second left on the clock, and that quarterback went back, and he threw that ball, and it went into the end zone, and there was a scrum with people jumping for it, and the next thing you know, one of the players from the University of Buffalo had it, and the referees threw their arms up. It was a touchdown, and you want to know something? We went a little bit crazy out there in the stands. It was a wonderful thing. I have seen on YouTube pictures of Charles de Gaulle walking into Paris, and I've seen the crowds screaming and running in the joy and the wondrousness of that. But it's nothing compared to when Jesus Christ entered into heaven and the angels that watched him die on the cross 
and saw him resurrect and saw him triumph openly over all the principalities and powers that thought he was dead, the ones that gnashed upon him with their teeth as raving and roaring lions. He's now alive forevermore, and there's a joy to the saint of God over that. And it should transform a home. It should transform a life. It should make it different. And I'm not saying perfect. I've watched so many people stumble and fall, and we have different people in my church here who, uh, I, I have a man who came into my church, he's been on this podcast before, and when he came in here, he was just addicted to taking 100 Benadryl a night, can you imagine that? And addicted uh, to every horrible thing and growing his own marijuana. And and his son was out uh, and living as a con man on the streets and addicted to drugs. He had a daughter and son-in-law that were just sottish alcoholics. And he still had one little daughter at home that still trusted in him. His wife and him hated each other. And today I've watched that man in the bowels of Jesus Christ put his family on his shoulders and carry them out of that wickedness, carry them out of it all. The daughter and son-in-law that were alcoholics haven't had a drink in years. And his daughter's uh, it, it has become one of these people who teaches other women holiness and and his son is no longer living in that misery on the streets and has gotten a college education and his other daughter who still was young has gotten and married a man of God and, and it's a wonderful thing to see this and his wife and him love each other today love each other I get texts from his wife about the wondrousness of what God has done with her husband and yet I have other women in my church who if they texted me about their husbands, it wouldn't be pretty, it wouldn't be nice. And I'll tell you what, I don't care how many pictures of Jesus hang on their walls. I don't care how many little holidays they keep. I don't care how many little things they do to look Christian. You can take cookie cutters and cut out Jesus cookies for Christmas. And you can go ahead and do all the right things. But when the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, has no place in your life and can find no root, there's a huge problem there, and I worry. And yet I watch these people out there, the poor of the world come in here, and I watch God begin to transform their lives, and I watch, and yes, they stumble, and they're often contemptible in the foolish things that they do. And yet I watch as the great God of Israel takes over their lives and makes a difference in them. And I rejoice in that. And as long as I'm a pastor, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I will praise the God of Israel for taking the poor of the world and working this great grace into their lives. And let me tell you something, my friends, God wants to work that in your life. Now it goes on and it says this, you have heard how I you have heard again, I said unto you, I go away and come again. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go to the father for my father is greater than I, you know, the foolish Mormons and Jehovah witnesses and such try to take that and try to show you that God and Jesus aren't the same. The father's greater. No, the father is greater because he made the plan. He's the one has said, Word, I've got a plan here. I, I, I want to make people, and I want to make personalities. I want to make them have as distinctive personalities as the Word has, as I have, as the Holy Ghost has. And I want to put them out there in the world. And I want them to know true love. I'm not going to make them in little automons, little machines somewhere. I'm going to make them into people who choose love. And as a result, I'm going to go out there, and we're going to let the devil fall, and we're going to let them tempt him. Uh, tempt men and let them fall 
all, and then I'm going to show them that I love them, and I'm going to die for them the most gruesome, horrible death and take the punishment of sin upon ourselves in the person of Jesus Christ. And this, the word bowed his knee and said, Father, I'll do your will. And the Holy Ghost made it possible and made it holy. And Jesus Christ submitted himself to the will of the Father and spoke his words that my Father is greater than all. He conceded to his will, not his own will. And you want to know something? God has loved us. It says this, verse 19, And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it come to pass you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I. Arise, let us go hence. He knew the prince of the world was coming. He said, he hath nothing in me. You know, the apostle Paul talked about being taken captive by the devil's will. The devil takes you captive through your thinking, through your lusts. Jesus Christ said, the prince of the world cometh, and he hath nothing in me. He looks to find somewhere where th his thinking's wrong, where his lusts are wrong. There's no such thing. He's perfect and holy, and my friend, abide in him. Give up your own ways. Be done with your own ways. Come to this man, Jesus Christ. And we're going to end in Psalm chapter 133. And Brother McVeigh, it was gracious. I have loved your exposition of the Psalms. I believe it's been one of the most powerful is uh, one of the most powerful goings through is the best word I can give of what I have seen in the Psalms, even any place in the word of God in a very long time. What you have found in expounding these Psalms and the things of God and the grace that God has poured out upon you is indeed marvelous. I consider myself to be a student of the Bible, but I have felt like a boy in short pants sitting there listening to a teacher of the word of God as you've taught these things. But Psalm 133, behold how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, there's a big problem when people claim to be brethren and they can't dwell together in unity. The first place peace should come is in your heart. And if that peace is in your heart, it'll show up in your home. If heaven is your home, your home should be heaven. Because the brethren dwell together in unity. What do we mean by the brethren? Well, I understand we could talk about the different people in church, but how much more the brethren than those who live in your own home? There ought to be peace there. Verse two, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. That's what the peace is when God allows the brethren to dwell together in peace. And what I have noticed is this. God has taken the poor of Allegheny County, New York, the wretched in their filth, their drugs, their incest, their adulteries, their fornications, their miseries, their blasphemies, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ has made happy homes, blessed homes. Religion can't do that. Come to Jesus Christ, my friend. Thank you. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com 
and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.